Taiwan will impose economic sanctions on Russia over its invasion of Ukraine. Speaking on Friday, President Tsai Ing-wen condemned Russia for violating Ukraine's sovereignty. She said Taiwan would join the global community in leveling economic sanctions to achieve a peaceful resolution of the Ukraine crisis. She also addressed fears that Taiwan could face a fate similar to Ukraine's. She vowed to shore up public morale by ramping up measures against China's cognitive warfare. Following Russia's attack on Ukraine, Taiwan joined the international community in placing economic sanctions on Moscow. As a member of the international community, we are willing to join efforts to bring about a peaceful resolution to this conflict. Taiwan will join the international community in imposing economic sanctions on Russia. Russia has destroyed the peace by invading Ukraine. The whole world strongly condemns its actions. Likewise, we strongly denounce this invasion. We will keep step with the rest of the world through imposing sanctions. On whether Taiwan could suffer a fate like Ukraine's, President Tsai Ing-wen had this to say. The situation in the Taiwan Strait and that in Ukraine are fundamentally different. Our military's strength and resolve in the defense of the nation are constantly growing. It seems that Ukraine had taken a passive attitude toward defense. To compare with Taiwan, since Tsai took office in 2016, she has put a lot of emphasis on the domestic production of military equipment and vessels. She has emphasized self-reliance in defense. This is a significantly different situation from that of Ukraine. The experts said Taiwan and Ukraine differed in their attitudes on defense, as well as in geography. He emphasized that Ukraine was connected to Russia by land. Meanwhile, one KMT member took a less optimistic view. A smaller or weaker country shouldn't rile up a larger country. The most important thing is for both sides to get along peacefully. If you keep poking and prodding when there is nothing wrong, after a while, something is bound to happen. We will strengthen our defenses against cognitive warfare to prevent foreign forces and local collaborators from using the situation in Ukraine to produce disinformation aimed at demoralizing Taiwanese. We greatly despise these foreign forces that engage in cognitive warfare and those who are willing to help them. We will absolutely protect our nation's sovereignty and security. To counter disinformation arising from the Ukraine crisis, Taiwan's military released a video showing the Army, Navy and Air Force engaged in combat readiness and monitoring activities. It was meant as a pointed signal that it was ready to defend the homeland. The outbreak of war between Russia and Ukraine has hit Taiwan via the global economy. Russia and Ukraine are both heavily involved in the supply chain for semiconductors. Taiwanese business could be impacted by the skyrocketing prices for heavy metals and noble gases. But experts say there are enough stockpiled materials to prevent a break in the supply chain. The invasion of Ukraine by Russia has brought chaos to the region and impacted the global economy. The price of oil, gold and crops has risen, and analysts fear the conflict could affect the semiconductor supply line, as both Ukraine and Russia have big stakes in the silicon industry. The Ukrainian supply of, for example, argon, represents more than 70% of the global supply. It also represents a very high proportion of both krypton and xenon. The stores at semiconductor fabs probably have about six months supply. So basically, it won't have a massive effect, but what it will impact is prices. 
Industry insider Wu Jinrong says his warning is based on Ukraine's crucial supply of noble gases like argon, krypton and xenon. Meanwhile, a third of the world's supply of the heavy metal palladium comes from Russia. The stocks in Taiwanese semiconductor fabs should be sufficient to avoid a bottleneck, but prices are uncertain. Localized companies might be negatively impacted by rising prices, but there definitely should not be any broken supply chains. Even rising prices should be more of a problem for medium and small semiconductor companies because their purchasing power and bargaining power is slightly weaker than those of large companies. When Russia invaded Crimea in 2014, the price of neon skyrocketed more than tenfold. Companies are urgently searching for new sources of precious resources, as well as renewable energy sources, to reduce their reliance on Russia and protect themselves from price crises like that one. Taiwan reported 65 imported cases and three local cases on Friday. Two of the domestic cases were a father and son in northern Taiwan. The third was a woman in Ilan who is the sister of an imported case. With the epidemic slowing down, vaccination bookings are also starting to subside. 1.16 million doses are available in the nation's upcoming 24th round of vaccinations and less than 40 percent have been booked. The CECC is urging the unvaccinated to book shots as soon as possible. It released data showing that in Hong Kong, the unvaccinated were 18 times more likely than the vaccinated to die from COVID. In Singapore, COVID deaths among the unvaccinated were 21 times more likely. The CECC has unveiled a blueprint for coexisting with COVID. It will gradually reopen borders starting March, and it will discard its four-level pandemic alert system after February 28th. Every month, it will reassess and adjust its pandemic rules, giving more weight than before to Taiwan's economic development. Responding to this new approach to COVID, doctors are urging caution, saying that the nation's vaccination rate is still not 100%. They say that if dangerous variants emerge or if there's a surge in cases of unknown origin, Taiwan should be prepared to tighten controls. The CECC is officially retiring its pandemic alert system. Going forward, it will evaluate its COVID measures monthly with an eye to the economy. Border restrictions will be gradually eased starting in March. However, doctors say controls should be tightened again if two particular warning signs appear. What we need to be sure of now is that there are not too many COVID cases with unknown infection sources. We also need to keep an eye on what is happening abroad since we are slowly opening the border. Business travelers and other regular travelers will be arriving, so if new variants emerge, or if the rate of serious infections increases, then we should temporarily halt our reopening. We don't want new variants to enter Taiwan, so as long as we can't get the vaccination rate up to 100%, this is the best course of action. The doctor said officials must continue to monitor the virus's spread. If the number of unknown infection sources increases, or if more dangerous variants emerge, border restrictions should be adjusted in response. We need to keep an eye on hospital capacity and see if the healthcare system is becoming overburdened. We also need to look at the situation in other countries and whether they are experiencing large outbreaks. So it's both the domestic and international situations that we have to base our measures on. Starting March 7th, international arrivals will be able to quarantine one to a home, 
while contacts of infected persons can isolate one to a room. When asked if the new policy may raise the risk of community infection, one doctor said that depended on whether people followed the rules and whether the CECC had a complete set of accompanying measures. Viral load will also affect transmissibility, the doctor said, adding that a high vaccination rate would prevent deaths in overburdened hospitals. There is still about 10 percent of the population that is not protected through vaccination and is at risk of infection. The big test is how people in quarantine behave and how authorities manage their quarantine. The health minister said that both public and private organizations should appoint internal authorities to handle pandemic prevention. But one doctor said it would be more effective to promote rapid testing. Anyone showing symptoms should be tested immediately to reduce the risk to businesses, he said. A recent online forum urged Taiwanese business to invest in Thailand's electric vehicle industry as COVID restrictions dissolve. Bangkok is keen to support electric car production, and many Taiwanese companies find Thailand a welcoming destination. But COVID has made trade between Taiwan and Southeast Asia more complicated. Delta Electronics Thailand, a subsidiary of Delta, has its eye on the electric car. It has expanded aggressively into Southeast Asia in recent years, establishing a second big vehicle electronics factory base in Thailand. New Kimpo Group, a giant in the electric components industry, is in on the market too, trying to foster skilled talent locally. Wages are rising globally. How can we shift our manufacturing capacity to raise quality and production capacity and resist the pressure of rising wages? We are expanding our factories. That is our fourth fab complex in Thailand. So I think there won't be a problem with gaining land with assistance from the government and the Board of Investment. In recent years, the Thai government has used tax reductions and subsidies to promote electric vehicles made in Thailand. Its goal is to have 30% of Thai-made cars be electric by 2030. As COVID recedes and global borders reopen, the industry is finding its feet again. A Thailand investment forum was held to attract more Taiwanese investment to the country, hosted by Thailand's Board of Investment and the Taiwan Electrical and Electronic Manufacturers Association. The largest proportion of uh, Taiwanese investment would be electrical and electronics. Uh, that is very much uh, um, not surprising because uh, there are a lot of Taiwanese companies in these sectors and have a great expertise and uh, I think you would hear. Finding land and labor is relatively easy in Thailand, which makes it an attractive overseas location. But the pandemic has made international business tricky. The Thai government is also in turmoil, which is a major factor to consider for Taiwanese companies. The Army's M41A3 battle tank, also known as the Walker Bulldog, was decommissioned on Friday after more than 60 years of service. Taiwan received its first M41A3s from the U.S. in 1958. At one point, there were more than 800 of them deployed across the country. But with the passage of time, the tank has become outclassed by more advanced equipment. Over the next few years, the Army plans to modernize its tank force with M1A2s purchased from the U.S. Tanks line up in formation in front of the command podium where the commanding officer presides. Their engines roar as they pass. This is the M41A3 battle tank's final parade.
A commemorative plaque is attached to mark its retirement. At the end of its final mission on Friday, the M41A3 formally steps back from the front line. The M41 tank series was once the main workhorse of the country's armored forces. Variants include the A1, A2, and A3. In the heyday of the M41, there were nearly 800 vehicles across Taiwan proper and the outlying islands. During training, they train day and night so that four troops can complete a single firing action. If the four people are unable to complete the action as one, the tank cannot fire. The M41A3 battle tank has a combat range of 161 kilometers and a top speed of 72 kilometers an hour. It's equipped with a 76-millimeter rifled cannon, a .50 caliber machine gun, and an M1919 Browning. Taiwan took its first delivery of the U.S.-made tank in 1958. On Friday, the tank was sent off with fondness and gratitude. The Taiwanese people are able to enjoy a free and democratic life. That is thanks to the contributions of this battle tank and all our colleagues, active duty and retired, who sit here today. In the future, we will take delivery of the M1A2 battle tank. We have a complete plan for the installation and training that will be required. We are confident that we have the ability to improve the combat capabilities of the armored forces. The retired M41A3 battle tank will be replaced by M1A2s purchased from the U.S. The new tanks will arrive over the next few years to continue the mission of safeguarding Taiwan's sovereignty. Coffee lovers, take note. Kama Cafe says it will raise prices starting Saturday. The Taiwanese coffee chain says it will increase menu prices by 5 to 10 NT to absorb the skyrocketing cost of raw coffee beans. After the adjustment, the med- a medium Americano will cost 55 NT, up from 45 NT. Last month, another local chain, Luisa Coffee, raised its prices by up to 20 NT. According to Kama Cafe, wholesale bean prices have soared by 80% due to low yields. Starting Saturday, the chain will raise retail prices by 5 to 10 NT. 5 NT isn't too bad. 10 NT is a bit much. Over the course of the week, the cost might add up. He'd be able to buy a nice latte with that money. I thought it was a bit too much at first, but then I thought, since I'm only having one cup a day, it's acceptable. Another chain, Louisa Coffee, announced a 5 to 20 NT price hike at the end of January. Starbucks and Ikari Coffee say prices will stay steady for now. Since last year, there has been a steep rise in the cost of raw materials, including freight fees for packaging and the costs of related raw materials. So, of course, we understand why other chains are raising prices, but we do not expect to raise prices this year. This year, the major bean-producing region of Brazil suffered a sharp drop in production due to a drought and the pandemic. Coffee futures more than doubled between last April and December from 1.21 U.S. dollars to 2.5 U.S. dollars a pound. On Thursday, the price stood at 2.46 U.S. dollars. Taiwan's professional baseball league is getting a sixth team. According to the CPBL, Taiwan Steel Group will sign a letter of intent with the league in March and submit a business plan in April. If all goes to plan, the new team will be ready to play in 2024. Let's hear from the head of the CPBL. 
Taiwan's steel group will come down to the league to sign a letter of intent on March 2nd. As commissioner, I was on a mission to find this sixth team. Today, this mission is complete, and it's a relief to be able to do what I promised to do. But at the outset, it will be my responsibility to get this sixth team playing soon. The league chairman says the team will be based in Kaohsiung at the Chenqing Lake Baseball Stadium. Also on Friday, the chairman signed a collective contract with the league players. The contract, the first of its kind in league history, details player rights and obligation with regard to international competitions. A new Easy Card has hit stores. The limited edition on card features a stunning design by Amis artist Yosefu, an eye-catching tree of life. The special card has been launched in aid of indigenous language programs. A portion of profits will go to support young kids' education in their ancestral languages. A child from the Amis tribe holds a picture tight, repeating the word after her teacher. This is an Amis language lesson. Now, EasyCard are working with Amis artist Yosifu to support projects just like this one with a limited edition EasyCard. Very few people are familiar with modern indigenous art. Through this public transportation card, I hope everyone will get a chance to get to know the culture and art of Taiwan's indigenous tribes. The card features a bright and vibrant tree of life design. It symbolizes branches fanning out from Taiwan across the southern Pacific Ocean and is a token of respect from the artist to his courageous ancestors. 50 NT from the sale of each card will go toward indigenous tribes and schools, as well as 0.3% of the value of every transaction the card is useful. We decided to collaborate with Yosifu and to contribute a portion of the profits from this card to support the thorough development of indigenous languages in tribal villages. And the artist is also working with a venture capital fund to support tribe members to market their rice crops and forge contracts with businesses. Overall, I think we have 20 hectares, both one harvest and two harvest rice crops. The overall sales should come to about 10 million NT. For the farmers, it means they can find customers to buy their crops while they are just transplanting the seedlings. Yosifu's work aims to support indigenous communities to preserve and develop their traditional cultures and languages while running thriving businesses. Taste of Europe is a video series featuring diplomats stationed in Taiwan cooking dishes from their home countries. In the latest episode, Italy's representative to Taiwan, Davide Giglio, and his daughter Aurora teach everyone how to make pasta alla norma. We're going to cook today a Sicilian dish, and this is why we are wearing this hat, which is yes. the Sicilian typical hat. And uh, the, the dish we're making is a Sicilian one, it's called Pasta la Norma. Representative of the Italian Economic Trade and Cultural Promotion Office, Davide Gigilio, introduces ingredients needed to make pasta alla norma. The ingredients are pasta, eggplant, onion, herby tomato sauce, extra virgin olive oil, minced garlic, dried oregano, salt, black pepper, ricotta salata cheese, and fresh parsley. It's named after a famous Italian opera mm -hmm. uh, of 1831 called Norma, uh, which was composed by a Sicilian composer. And there is a famous aria, Casta Diva, which I believe everybody in Taiwan knows yes, because yes. Taiwanese love opera. Italian opera as much as they love Italian food them and then you will have to uh, deep fry them. The first step is to chop the eggplant and deep fry them. Then boil the water and add pasta and a bit of salt. 
Yeah, we don't put a, too much at the beginning. Okay. We put the pasta, we will have to cook the pasta for about 10 minutes. Oh, after that, it's time to prepare the sauce. Mix the onions, the eggplant with the tomato sauce. Well, it, it will take um, uh, usually 15 minutes to, 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 to deep fry, yes. Uh, uh, it depends on how much uh, uh, eggplant you have cut up. Aurora is mixing, as you can see, the, the pasta. Then mix the pasta and the sauce together. And uh, once it has become all red, it will be the time to end white color because snowfall you can see a snowfall of uh, then add the ricotta cheese basil leaves and olive oil into the pasta and it's ready to be served a new episode of taste of europe is released every friday in each episode representatives from 15 eu member states teach viewers how to make authentic european dishes from their home countries ftv reporter stephanie yang and tai chen yu in taipei it's been a wet start to the year for areas across Taiwan. Since January 1st, the country's 13 weather stations in low-lying areas have had an average of 341.6 millimeters of rain. Now, that's the second highest record in 70 years. If you're getting weary of it all, take heart. A break from the rain is coming up this long weekend. Daytime temperatures will gradually rise in central and southern Taiwan. However, the northern part of Taiwan will still see some weather fluctuations. On the first day of the holiday, Saturday, there will be an increase in cloud cover in the north and possibly sporadic showers. By the following day, for the most part, we should be clear of the widespread constant rain. In March, there is still a good chance of cold air masses moving in. That would bring highly contrasting temperatures. The warmer spring temperatures could reach 26 degrees, but with cold air masses, the temperature could drop to 14 degrees. So we will see temperature differences of more than 10 degrees. Over the 228 Peace Memorial Day long weekend, expect highs of 20 or more degrees in the north and east. Other regions could go as high as 25 degrees.